Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yovan, we have arrived at the all-star break, and that means it is a time for reflection, rumination, and um, really uh, a bit of a reality check for the Lakers. Uh, this is the Forum Club. I'm Bill Orem, joined by Yovan Buha, and the Lakers are currently four games under 500 going into the all-star break. LeBron James is probably on a plane to Cleveland as we speak. Um Lakers are coming off probably their best win of the year, Jovan, 106-101 over the Utah Jazz. But as I wrote today, um, may have also suffered their biggest loss of the season in the in the process, watching Anthony Davis writhing on the floor after landing on Rudy Gobert's uh, foot. Certainly seems to foreshadow a significant um, stretch of missed games for him. Uh, as we head into this break, Jovan, where are you on uh, the state of the Lakers and how much positivity do you take from that really remarkable comeback win against a, a streaking Utah team versus the the harsh reality of of another injury for AD? Yeah, well, I, I just wrote about this as well, and I, I tried to focus more on the positivity of the last week or so, where it, it's felt like there's been a funk around this team for a majority of the season. And LeBron recently addressed it a couple weeks ago, saying that there was a fog. And it did feel like the trade deadline... Uh, kind of parted the clouds, so to speak, right? Where uh, at least energetically, I feel like the vibe around the team has been much better uh, in the last week. And, and now it's easy to to kind of say that when you're basically not playing games and losing. And, and you know, it's kind of gone hand in hand with the Lakers where uh, th- there is these moments of positivity and then there's a setback and it's AD goes down, LeBron goes down, someone gets covid uh, and you know, or, or someone, you know, they, they lose a close game that they probably should have won. And like, th- there's always been some sort of setback this season. And naturally, you know, with all the positive vibes and all the, you know, we're getting practice time and, uh, you know, we're feeling energetic and, and all this stuff. Uh, of course, AD has to go down when he's having one of his best halves of the season, frankly. Uh, and one of his best starts, it might've been his best start to a game this season, had 15 points in the first quarter. Uh, of course, he goes down, and, and you know the, it looks like the Lakers are going to lose. They're going to enter the break uh, six games under five hundred, and, and and really just sort of on a sour note. And they rally and beat Utah. And I do think some of this was was matchup driven, where we know the Jazz have struggled to contain uh, effective small ball units in, in, in the past couple seasons. And you know, going back to last year when they lost to the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, the, those last couple games, uh, the Clippers just went small and attacked Rudy Gobert. And you saw the Lakers do that down the stretch. We saw the Lakers do this a month ago where uh, AD wasn't even playing in that game and they were able to draw out Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, bring him away from the basket, uh, include him in pick and roll coverages and uh, really expose the jazz and their limitations that way. So I do think part of this was a matchup thing. I, I think against a different a different opponent of a similar caliber that that had a, a better um, 
you know, kind of ability to adapt to the, the way the Lakers were attacking them. I think maybe the Lakers lose that game, but that wasn't the case. And the Lakers won and they showed a level of resiliency that they really have not showed that often this season. So on the one, like, I guess I'm remaining cautiously optimistic in the sense of like, I, I do feel like there is something there with maybe the vibe is, is better now that no one on this team can be traded. Uh, but if AD is out for a month, or, or or something like that. Like, yeah, that that's really bad, and they're going to lose games, and and they might be the ten seed. It, it, you know, enter having to win tw- you know, twice in the playing tournament. So, like, I'm going to reserve some judgment until I know the full diagnosis for AD and, and kind of where that's at. But I will say, for the first time, seemingly since the beginning of the season, I felt some level of positivity, like from the team. Like, the, it, 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 we have not felt that. It, it, there has been a funk. There has been a fog. And I, I would say it's been at least encouraging to feel like the team is, is saying positive things and actually meaning it versus most of the season where they've been saying it, but you haven't really gotten that vibe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really interesting di- dichotomy because you're right. Like there has been this this energy over the last two games that has been completely different. And, you know, the loss to Portland was such a deflating sort of um, slap in the face, I think. You know, that was a game the Lakers had won. Uh, several different ways. And then all of a sudden, you know, Anthony Simons comes out and gets wildly hot. Um, and, and, you know, the Lakers drop one. They just should not have lost. Uh, Golden State, you know, that energy you're talking about, LeBron had free throws to tie the game late, missed him. Um, you know, he had a terrible fourth quarter, but everybody else was really good, including Russell Westbrook. And then last night, you know, you do it without Anthony Davis and you come back from like 12 down with about six and a half minutes left. Um, really, really impressive stuff. But, you know, you're right. I mean, the, the, the question is Anthony Davis and, and to what extent is this injury going to further hamper the Lakers ability, not just to win games and, and, you know, build some momentum and, and, um, you know, improve their standing in the West, but to build the chemistry that they've been talking about needing all year. I think last night was just the 20th time that LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook all started a game together. It just hasn't been a part of this season, those three being on the court. And, um, you know, I think that there was reason to hope that they could, over these last 25 games, finally do that. And you start talking about a serious uh, ankle sprain, and and we haven't gotten the results from the MRI yet. I'm told, uh, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday. I'm told that those will be coming at some point today. So maybe we'll get really lucky and it'll come while we're recording this podcast. But if we're talking about a, if, 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 if we're talking about like a grade three sprain, you know, that can be four to six weeks. It can be longer. Um, you know, you go back a few years, uh, 2019, Lonzo Ball sprained his ankle in Houston, I think on January 15th, and it knocked him out for the season. Um, Anthony Davis is a guy that obviously has a lot more incentive to get out there and, and play. Um, but, Yes. An ankle sprain is not always the, um, the you know, the minor injury it kind of sounds like. I mean, you're talking about, about torn ligaments. You're talking about, um, you know, potentially a high. It didn't look like a high ankle sprain in the way LeBron's injury last year was, the one that cost him 20 games. But, you know, we could be talking, you know, and I, I hate to be the, the, the voice of doom here, but you could be talking about four weeks, you know, you could be talking about about six weeks, and that could take you through the rest of the regular season. It could take you, um, it could take you to the end of March. Um, and at that point, you know, what is the Lakers' position at that point? I mean, LeBron, LeBron has even with a healthy AD, kind of needed to be that guy for the Lakers. I mean, case in point, last night was his twenty third straight game with with twenty five uh, 
points or more. So I mean, he's obviously been doing doing it all for them. But I just do, I do, um, I am curious to see what a month of Anthony Davis less basketball would look like for this team, and you know, especially as they are still trying to find a rhythm. But all that said, I mean, going into the All Star break with the energy you're describing, going into the All Star break with a win like this against Utah, like makes completely changes the the tenor and the conversation around this team for the final month and a half of the season than if it had been a loss. And a loss, by the way, that you know looked almost certain. I mean, there was a very little reason to, to forecast that the Lakers were going to be able to make the push down the stretch that they did. LeBron went into hero mode. Um, you know, the Jazz got cold in an inopportune time. Uh, Royce O'Neal with a couple of really uh, bad turnovers for Utah. So, I mean, it really, you know, it really lined up for the Lakers. But, you know, over the next 10 days, while the Lakers are on break, you know, it can sort of be a pause. And it's, you know, you know, obviously the team is not in a great position, but it's not going to be the doom and gloom that I think it would have been if it was a loss and they lost AD. I just think I think that I think the tone over the next 10 days can be a little more uh, a little calmer. Yeah. And and honestly, like, I, I think this group needs some type of positive. Like, I know it sounds a little corny, but it's like. They just have been dealt blow after blow. And, and obviously a lot of it has been self-inflicted with the the roster construction and, um, you know, s- some of the rotational and, and lineup stuff. And, and, and there's been a lot of factors that have, have gone into this, uh, you know, disappointing season. But I, I do, I mean, as corny as it sounds, like, again, like I, I do think there is a difference t- to your point of entering the all-star break, having lost uh, and especially losing because I, I think, and you know, there's, there's, I think there's some placebo effect here, right? Where now that the trade deadline's gone, they are kind of use. I mean, you, you've heard it in every press conference that they've had since then. Is everyone's talking about the energy and the spirit and fresh start and and, and this and that? And like, you know, technically that's not true, right? Like, they, they, they are 27 and 31. They're four games under 500. Like, this has been a disappointing season uh, from an objective sense, and realistically, they're probably going to be the nine or ten seed and have to win two games in the playing tournament to then go play the Phoenix Suns and lose in five games. Like, you know, there isn't much to be optimistic about. But I think if they're kind of feeding that to themselves and kind of saying like, hey, this is a fresh start, this is a blank slate, and like, let's like make the most of it, I think losing that Utah game would have been so deflating and it would have just been, um, you know, like we we can't catch a break and the season's kind of like over. And uh, and again, it it still kind of is because I, I don't think you know, if, if they're the nine or 10 seed, like they're not beating the Phoenix suns in, in round one. And, and I don't think they're beating you the golden state warriors so. either. So, yeah. um, like realistically, this is headed for the Lakers in the play in and they lose in five games to the warriors or the suns. And, and maybe in like a best case scenario, push it to like six because they have LeBron and AD and, and those guys are playing out of their minds. And, um, you know, like that's like the best case scenario, but I think for this team to, turn it around, whatever that looks like. And I don't even know anymore what that looks like. Uh, they've got to believe kind of their, their own, uh, you know, what, what they're selling and they're yeah. selling that this is a fresh start and it wouldn't have mattered had they lost both of the games yeah. in, in a week span. So yeah. to me again, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying like, I, again, even a fresh start, I don't even know what that means anymore because we, I feel like we've had this conversation on this podcast every single week and it's always, they win a couple games, they lose a couple games, and and um, I I no longer know what it what it means for this team to turn their season around. But whatever that looks like is only possible if they truly believe that. And I felt a sense of belief that was not there as recently as like two weeks ago. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think if they had lost this game, even though they started really, really well, but a lot of that could be sort of attributed to the way Anthony Davis was playing. If they had lost, if they had lost that game and lost AD, it would have, to me, really undercut all the talk about um, you know positive vibes and and mm-hmm. a new energy and you know this like level of focus. Um, and and now that they still have that, so that is um, that is not insignificant. But there is there is the broader point, like to what end? To what end in this season? So you you've got LeBron James who's going out there and you know and just basically. Uh, accelerating on the on the course to overtake Karl Malone and, and eventually Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the all-time scoring list. He's on his way. Um, you know, that seems like a foregone conclusion at this point. Karl this year, uh, Kareem maybe in the middle of next year, and, and and you know. But other than that, I mean, this is not a Lakers team that you know you can envision. You know, winning a championship, and you know you have to hold them to their own standard. You know, this team was, I mean, Rob Palinka said in the, in the press conference, they brought Russell Westbrook in that, you know, that they were, they are obsessed with winning their 18th championship and that they believed that this was the move to bring in Russell Westbrook that, that, um, got them the closest to it. And that has not been true. And, you know, that, that is something that cannot be forgotten. It has to be a level of accountability, regardless of, you know, a nice win against Utah, regardless of who's injured. Um, regardless of, you know, having to navigate the play in, um, you know, it's, it's just, it hasn't worked. I mean, this whole thing just has not worked. Now I will say though, um, AD getting injured as the Lakers really, you know, seem to be gaining a little bit of at least mental or emotional momentum is just par for the course of this season. You know, what I wrote in my story today at the athletic was, um, you know, basically this is not a team that can have nice things. Right. Like if any, whenever, you know, something good happens for this Lakers team, you can count on there being a corresponding bad thing. And that has just been the case. You know, the the idea of, you know, one step forward, two steps back all year. Um, And, you know, you hope for a, you know, a a good um, diagnosis on uh, on AD's on AD's ankle. Obviously, the fact that you have, um, you know, 10 days basically until the next game for him to get a head start on his rehab is helpful. You know, if it's a six week, let's say it's a six week injury. Well, that's only going to be five weeks of um, games missed because he gets a, a week without games to rehab. That is, you know, that is a bit of a, you know, a silver lining to this as opposed to him having that injury, you know, in the first game back, let's say. So, you know, you can find that positive. If it's a two week injury, then you're, you're that, that even feels, that feels even more meaningful so really, it's just you know what is the what is the prognosis for Anthony Davis? Um, is he going to be able to get back on the floor this season? Is he going to be able to get back on the floor with meaningful um, time left uh, in the regular season? And you know because this is this does have a feel of last year, where remember Anthony Davis got hurt in February. He was out for two months. While he was out, LeBron got hurt. He was out for you know more six weeks and. 
It was really about getting healthy for the playoffs and then trying to make a run. But the difference between last year's team and this year's team is there was a point where last year the Lakers looked like the best team in the league. You know, they were number two in the West without Anthony Davis when LeBron you know, sprained his ankle. They looked like a team that you know was poised to make a deep run and at least be in the mix in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. This Lakers team has never looked like that. With the exception of yeah. you know these two games against Utah and the game in, in Golden State, they have not looked the part of a contender. And they've never been at the top of the West. They've never been you know, in the top three or four in the West, you know, once they've gotten, you know, games under their belt, they've been in fifth, sixth, seventh, and now ninth. And as you said, just seems to be their lot for the season. And it's going to have to come down to the play in. We always talk about the all-star break as, as the midway point of the season. People say, Oh, get ready for the second half. That's obviously not true. Right. I mean, we are 50, uh, uh, 47, I can't do math. 57, we're 57 games into the season, 57 games into an 82 game season. There's 25 games left, but Let's treat this as a break and an opportunity to look back a little bit. Um, what are give me give me two or three things, Jovan, that you have liked this season that have, have, have pleasantly surprised you? <laughs> can, we, can we start with one? <laughs> uh, I got two or three. It's, uh, I mean, we, we, we I may mean, not be able to have three each, but I've got <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got three. Uh, I, I would say, um, you know, for, first and foremost, as someone who uh, considers themselves a a you know basketball fan and, and purist like just experiencing this season from LeBron has been really special uh, and 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 just kind of I, I think it's it's one of those things that um, I don't know how you feel but I, I assume you, you kind of feel similarly like when you know twenty years from now thirty years from now when we're looking back on our careers and and kind of wherever they've gone. Uh, I'm going to look fondly uh, upon, you know, covering who I think is the greatest player of all time. And, and at worst is the second best uh, player of all time. Like, I, I think that that has just been a fun, you know, for, on, a, on a personal level, that has just been fun to to witness, uh, you know, for, <laughs> I feel like I'm making a pun, uh, to, to witness his greatness, right? Like, it, it's just been, it, it's, it's been really cool. And, and um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that as, again, just someone who, uh, tries to to kind of study the history of the game. Like I, I know that this is one of those things that is really special that we get to cover. Um, you know, what one of the greatest players ever. And I would say two and three. Malik Monk has been really fun. That that's been a fun story. That um, I was not very optimistic on the Malik Monk front. I, I just thought that you add Russ, you add Taylor, or you know, you resign Taylor, you add Kendrick, uh, even a guy like Wayne who who kind of served a purpose as a sharp uh, a sharpshooter, like. I was like, I don't see where the minutes are from Leak Monk. Um, and, yeah. you know, he kind of faded out of Charlotte. And I was like, I, I don't, but he's been, you know, arguably the story of the season or, or one of them, at least for, for this team in, in terms of like a, a positive story. Uh, and, and then I, w- I would say Austin Reeves uh, and Stanley Johnson to, to some extent. So like, you, like individual players and, and kind of their stories have been fun, but um, there hasn't really been fun stretches of the season for me uh, because as Frank said a couple of days ago, like what, they, they've won more than three games in a row, I think once that they had a four game winning streak and otherwise it's yeah. just been stop start. So I would say LeBron and then some of the younger guys and them really stepping up in ways that we didn't necessarily expect. I would also posit that on a team that has, you know, what five hall of famers at this point, um, or maybe it's four after the Rondo trade. What are we at? Dwight, LeBron, AD, Carmelo. It's five. 
Well, Wyatt, I think Ron. I think eighties and it's it's Mello, the big three plus Dwight and Mello. Yeah, yeah, Russ. I forgot Russ. So you're at five Hall of Famers. You know, you had seven when the team was first assembled before Gasol got waived or traded, and and Rondo was on the team. The fact that the that we can sit here, you know, so deep into the season and say the most enjoyable part of the season has been, you know, Austin Reeves and Malik Monk probably speaks to how far off script this season has gone. But I mean, you're obviously right. Like those guys have been delightful. And the fact that they're both like, you know, young guys from Arkansas who, you know, do have a shared a little bit of a shared path and every past, excuse me, uh, makes it an even, you know, more enjoyable story. Um, but I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, everything else about the about this season has been has been a has been a slog you know and when you talk about you know the flip side of it disappointments right you obviously talk about you know the injuries you know not being able to get you know consistent consistent you know lineups on the floor um and being able to you know form a consistent identity i think has been a huge problem in this season um something by the way i think the lakers did to themselves um injuries aside the Lakers had the plan to play small. That's what they were going to do um, coming into the year with Anthony Davis at center. And then I don't know if they got too clever or if they thought that they could sort of grow into that identity. But starting the season with DeAndre Jordan, to me, now just sort of feels like a waste of time. You know, the idea yeah. that you're going to go big and kind of really assert yourself as this big physical team um, you know, was never going to be your identity. Not, with, not when you needed to space the floor in the way you do with, with Russell Westbrook. Um, that, you know, given how few opportunities you've had to have your big three together, that feels like you, that you, you wasted precious opportunities to have them play in their idealized sort of roles. Um, you know, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker has been a, a pretty underwhelming presence this year, although he has been better over the last few games. But, you know, when you consider the, the fact that they gave him $10 million to, um, kind of be the Alex Caruso replacement, uh, and he just hasn't. He hasn't been that. You know that he hasn't. He has not been that that caliber of contributor yet. That night in, night out defensive um, menace. Now he had some. I, I really do want to stress. I thought he had some really nice moments defensively um, against uh, the Jazz, and mm-hmm. and you know, and Austin Reeves, like you said, I mean. He has become a defensive uh, a defensive force as well. And I mentioned the, the Royce O'Neal turnovers. One of those was, I mean, I would say probably the game-sealing turnover was, you know, Austin Reeves on the closeout of Royce O'Neal in the corner, and he, you know, kind of jumped past him uh, on, on, the, on the pump fake, but then stuck with the play, and Royce went up to, to shoot to shoot it again, to shoot it after the pump fake and realized he had Austin, like, behind him about to block it. And that's what forced him into making the, the wayward pass that Malik Monk grabbed and ended up you know, getting fouled and and kind of putting you know, kind of turning it into a, a um, you know free throw game for the Jazz and you know so you know Austin Reeves has you know filled some of that void um, but you know the the fact that the Lakers just haven't been able to be the team that they sort of schematically envisioned you know in terms of you know Trevor Ariza hasn't you know, had the time on the floor to be the contributor they imagined. Um, you know, it's just been, it's, it's just been, and I, I feel for Frank Vogel too, because he has, I think, taken heat for not finding a consistent lineup. But I mean, I don't know how much more consistent of a lineup he could be putting out there when you look at everything this team has endured, guys in and out of the lineups, the dramatic swings. Like, it's like you either go big 
and completely concede, you know, you know, your offensive spacing, or you go a little smaller and you, and you lose that rim protection and you become a defensive, you know, disaster. Um, it's, there's not a great in between for this Lakers team. And that's kind of been the, 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 the thing that Frank has dealt with this year is like, which, you know, which, um, you know, which dramatic polar end of this do I, do I commit to in this particular matchup before then swinging back the other way and then trying to, you know, among, you know, your, your Avery Bradley, Malik Monk, you know, THT, Austin Reeves, Trevor Ariza, Stanley Johnson's, you know, kind of your, your two way guys who, who's going to give you the most on both ends and, and kind of help you straddle those two things the best. And that's just been a, such a work in progress. Yeah, I'm going to butcher this, and, and I apologize. So I, I don't remember who tweeted this, but I saw this tweet before the game yesterday where I think the Lakers are minus 90 in DeAndre Jordan's minutes this season, and they are plus four when he is off the floor overall. So you know, extrapolate that to the entire season, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, what what could – like, I mean, I agree. Like, I, I think the DeAndre like, – the, the thing I, I, I will, you know, personally hold the most – like, I, I – I've been on team. I think Frank is, is criticized too much and, and too, you know, it's too easy to put it on him when to me, it's, it's more of a roster construction issue more than anything. But the one thing I think you can lay at Frank's feet is that Deandre Jordan pretty quickly into the season was, was clearly not only not a rotation player, but probably not an NBA player anymore. And he continued to start him and play him, 12 to 15 minutes a night that the Lakers were just getting clobbered in. And, yeah. um, you know, if he wanted to remain big, I think he should have gone to Dwight. And, and we saw, I mean, even Dwight now at this point, isn't really a rotation, you know, barely a rotation guy, but he, at least there were some of those effective stretches w- w- with the Dwight lineups where, where those lineups were just better than the DeAndre lineup. So that would be one thing. Um, I, I think, and I know you touched on it, but like t- to me, the biggest disappointment of the season is Russ. And it's just, Russ was supposed to be you more you mortgage your depth and your assets for a third star for instances like the Lakers have had this season where LeBron is out or where AD is out and it's like okay Russ you know we, we know it's not the best fit when you're the third guy and you like to have the ball and you're a rhythm guy and uh, it's 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 not the best fit but when LeBron or AD is out you should be Russell Westbrook and we've seen some big performances we've seen some some big numbers but it has not translated to winning. And and that to me is, you know, and again, I think part of it is the roster construction that this team, some of the veterans not hitting, some of the pieces just not meshing together well. But ultimately, like Russ was brought in to, for the, the moments like right now when AD is out and to be that second guy and to help LeBron. And he just has not done that at a high enough level that has translated to winning. And again, he's, he's put up some triple doubles. He's had some 30 point games and he has had some moments uh, where, you know, he, he's helped them win and, and, and played well, but it has been too few and far between uh, th- this season. And he has not, you know, definitely not playing like a $44 million player, but, but honestly not playing like a third, uh, you know, best player on a, on a title contender. Like I, I think we're kind of looking at Russ as like a fourth or fifth guy. And that is not good enough. And so I think for me, like if Russ is even the Houston or Washington Russ and and the Lakers got that guy, I think they've won, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many more games, but but you know, five more games, seven more games, and and are maybe in that like 
six mix with with Denver uh, versus being the 10 seed and and, and really kind of having no hope to the season right now. So I, I put a lot of it on the rust fit. And, and now like part of that's on uh, the front office and, and the, the, the team kind of making that decision where I think sticking with the Buddy Heel deal or, or even standing pat, honestly, might have been, I, I think, a better move than uh, going in this direction. So part of that is on the front office and, and the organization. But, you know, Russ has not lived up to, I think, even even the modest expectations that some people had. Like this fit has been worse than I, I consider myself a pessimist on the Russ trade. And this has been even worse than I thought it was going to be. Um, so I, I just it's hard for me to look past that as like, yes, you know, he's had some good moments. He's put up some numbers, but it has not impacted winning the way it's supposed to. And, uh, he has not been that second guy that they've needed when, like, I even thought about it last, like he had some good moments in, in the fourth, for sure. He had the offensive rebound. He had the the drive and, and dish back to LeBron for the dunk. And like, he did make some, you know, his free throw, like he, he had some good moments, but I was looking at it midway through the fourth. I'm like, this is a game that Anthony Davis went out a quarter and a half ago or you know, almost two quarters ago. And Russ has 12 points. And that's just like the Lakers need more from him. And, and I know he finished with whatever, 17, 18, but like they need more than 12 points from Russell Westbrook midway through the fourth quarter in a game that Anthony Davis gets injured. Like you need 20, 25, 30, like you just need more from him. And, yeah. and that to me is, is kind of been the, the, the most damning thing on the season. Not to belabor the point because I mean, you've summed it up well, but it's not just that Russ hasn't been hasn't been great on the floor. It's that all the guys that you went and got to kind of try to make the fit work have also not really panned out. You know, your Kent Bazemore's, Trevor Reza's, um, Kendrick Nunn obviously hasn't played. You know, you have like the, 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 the sort of overall tapestry that you created and were forced to create it to create by, by trading for Russ and chewing up all that cap space and, you know, being limited to those, uh, to those, to those minimum contracts, you know, has not worked. So, um, you know, that's, you know, more fallout from, from the rust trade. You know, one thing, um, you know, just to get back to sort of the, the energy around this team and, and what it could mean, you know, I do wonder we're, we're in buyout season right now and, or approaching buyout season, I guess I'd say. Um, and that is the last remaining mechanism for the Lakers to improve their roster and, and, you know, kind of bolster up for this sort of, um, long shot playoff run that they that they are still holding out hope that they can go on. And I wonder, and Yovan, you wrote about the buyout market last week and you kind of went through some of the options and guys who could be available and you know maybe should be available if the Lakers should target. Um, and I wonder to what degree, and I, I mean I don't think that you know NBA players and certainly their agents are are this short sighted. But I do feel like as, you know, those conversations happen over the next week, teams, you know, buying guys out, guys, you know, kind of assessing their options of where they, you know, where they might sign um, to chase a ring. To what degree the Lakers having some momentum right now and a little bit of positivity to sell makes them a more attractive destination than they were before this win against Utah, before um before the you know, season we felt so completely lost, uh, you know, do you think that the tone around the Lakers makes them a more attractive destination than a week ago? We were talking about like, you know, that Rob Palinka is basically having this pie in the sky attitude about, well, we're going to turn our attention to the buyout market. And it's like, yeah, but who wants to come play here? 
your team is a disaster. You don't have clear cut rotations. You don't have um, a clear path to um, a deep playoff run. So why would you know your your high level buyout guy come sign with the Lakers? Could that be changing given the kind of tone and energy of the last week? To be honest, I don't think so. Just because I don't know how closely other people like you know we're in the weeds with this stuff where we're covering the team every day we're around them like we we've picked up on the vibe throughout the season and i know everyone's kind of tracking everything in general yeah at least on like the agent side but i don't know if i mean like we're, we are we are still talking about the team going one in one over like a seven day period. Oh, they, listen, they've lost, they've like, lost seven. They've lost seven of their last ten games. Like let's not like, get carried yeah. away. But yeah, like I mean, you know, it, it's like quite like to, I mean to your point earlier. Like it's like this is like what we've come to at like this point of the season is like we're trying to like like find the positivity. You know, I'm like. I feel good about the Lakers going one in one over a seven day stretch, like, and them being positive in their media sessions. Like that, that's kind of where we're at. So like, I mean, maybe like, I think if I'm an agent and like, and, and I'm surveying the options, like my one thing with the Lakers is I think, especially if you're a front court player and you're, you're someone who can walk and chew gum and, and make a three pointer, uh, you might be able to get a huge role on this team. Like, I think that there is sort of like, the, the right guy could come in and take some minutes from Stanley Johnson, Trevor Ariza, Carmelo Anthony, because all three of those guys, while they've each had, you know, well, and Trevor, I mean, Trevor had a couple good games. So I'm not going to say like, he's had all these good moments, but like Melo and Stanley have, have played really well, but they both come with their flaws. And, and Stanley, you, you kind of saw it last night. Like no one's going to guard him. And, and you know, like that, that kind of hurts the offense. And then Melo teams have targeted him in crunch time defensively. And like, you know, he's a first three and a half quarter type of guy. And then once you get into crunch time, it is hard to play him. So if you could find a forward or, or even a wing that can shoot threes at a reasonable level, defend multiple positions, like that guy could come in and I think play 25, like even take some of maybe Avery Bradley's minutes. Like that guy could come in and play 25, 30 minutes a night. So I, I do think that because the Lakers supporting cast has been so underwhelming, if I'm an agent, I might look at the situation and and, and say, Hey, if, if we agree to sign here, we want X role with X amount of minutes. We think our player is better than, you know, players X, Y, Z. And, and that could be the attractiveness of the situation. Other than that, I I think, you know, objectively, you you can't really look at it and be like, this team's a contender or, or, you know, this is going to put a positive spotlight on our player necessarily. Like, especially with the AD kind of like, I think maybe to, to your point, like, that would be the case if not for the AD injury, because now you might look at it and be like, this team's just doomed. And like, if AD does miss a month, they're going to plummet down the standings even more. Unless it's a guy who can step in and, 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 t- and chew up some of those minutes and contribute. I don't know who that is. Yeah. It, it's, it's not good. Uh, and, and unless you're getting, cause he, I mean, the, the thing is also most of the guys that I, I listed as kind of, you know, ranking some of the possibilities, like, it's mainly point guards and big men. There aren't a lot of wings, like maybe Gary Harris, but is he going to even hit the buyout market? Like DeAndre Bembry, not guys that really move the needle. So I think, and even like Tristan Thompson, I thought was someone that might've made more sense. Like, I think he's better than DeAndre Jordan, but he's going to Chicago. So you're kind of saying like Chicago, I think that's an example of a team that 
maybe a year or two ago, they don't get a buyout guy, but they're, you know, top two team in the East. And and that's where I think buyout guys tend to go. You, you rarely see a buyout guy go to a lottery team. It, it's normally, unless it's a young guy, like trying to find their, their, their kind of footing in the league. It's usually veterans going to contenders yep. and the Lakers are not a contender right now. Well, and you know, to your point, I mean, you go back to 2019 when the Lakers were, were sliding and, and falling out of, you know, the, the Western conference playoff picture uh, while LeBron was, um, you know, well, actually, I mean, the Lakers were still in the playoff picture when LeBron came back from his uh, his 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 groin tear. But um, you know, that was a season where the Lakers just did not have the you know you know any real path, and you know they they were seen as a, a buyout destination. That there was talk, you know, Carmelo Anthony um, being kind of pulled off the scrap heap by the Lakers that year. But the season was so far gone um, that that you know there was almost no point. So I feel like. You know, you're kind of at you're kind of at you know on the razor's edge of, of that where it's like nobody's going to want to come come to L.A. and you know are you who are you waving to clear space? I mean, obviously, I mean the answer would be DeAndre Jordan to start, but um, is is it, is it even an upgrade? I guess becomes the question with who you might be getting. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just a really really interesting inflection point in the season where if you said the Lakers are going to four games under 500 um, at the all-star break with 25 games to go. They're going to be in ninth place and Anthony Davis is going to be injured. Um, like, I mean, <laughs> we would, we would be like, all right, let's just, um, let's just simulate the rest of the season and get to, and get, to, and get to May so we can, um, you know, start talking about the off season. Um, but there is just this thing with LeBron James because he's so great and he's playing at such a high level that like, this team does just kind of pull you back in ever so slightly. Um, and, and that it keeps you, it keeps you interested if nothing else. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think we're on the same page. I don't have any belief really that this team can make a significant run, but they yeah. do keep you. Um, they do keep you engaged. They keep you interested. And um, maybe it ultimately is just theater, but you know, in a competitive landscape and, you know, watching LeBron do what he did in the fourth quarter to the Utah jazz does make you think, Hey, if nothing else, you'd like to see him in a playoff series. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what that looks like. But I mean, it's, it's been a roller coaster of a year and, you know, if that continued, you know, right up into the all-star break. Yeah. I think that this just kind of speaks to our, uh, our, our difficulty disassociating from our preseason expectations and, and, you know, you, you, like, I, I think because object, like for, for, for even as great as LeBron's been like this team has actually probably been worse since LeBron's like recent great stretch. Right. Like, um, you know, uh, at that point around like November or so, like they were above 500, you know, they, they weren't like much above 500, but like this team has been getting progressively worse throughout the season, not better, uh, as like kind of, you know, that there's like a cognitive dissonance there, but I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think to, to, like to your point, like I, I to me, I, I don't know what any of this means and I don't even know what, because the other thing here is like the Lakers have had an easy schedule and their yeah. schedule is about to get a lot tougher over these final, you know, 20, whatever games. So even if we see the best version of this team, whatever that, you know, possibly looks like, they're still going to have to, you know, play Golden State a couple more times, play Phoenix a couple more times, play uh, they got another game against Utah. They got a couple Denver games. Like, this is not an easy schedule. And 
So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that it took them kind of this long to get to this sort of, uh, you know, sense of, of, of themselves, but, uh, it, it just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, again, like what, what is even this team reaching its ceiling over the next 24, 25 games? Is that like 14 and 11, 13? Like, I, I don't know what, it's not much above 500. I mean, that, that's just the unfortunate yeah. reality is like, I, I don't see a scenario in which they finish the season like 20 and five, 20 and four, whatever, right. however many games. Are left. According to Tankathon, uh, a valuable resource for all NBA observers, the Lakers have the third most difficult schedule remaining with two games against the Suns, two against the Warriors, one against Utah, one in Cleveland, one against the 76ers, and two against the Mavericks. I mean, based on the way the season's gone, that's like a two and six stretch or, yeah. or something like that, right? That like is nine. That maybe. Is nine and that's maybe winning two games. games. Yeah, I've been saying they have 25 games left. They have 24 games left. Okay. So, so like pie in the sky is like 14 and 10. And that's like, that would be like an unprecedented, like, you know, a stretch that they haven't had since the first like month and a half of the season. 14 and 10, and they would still be 500 for the year. Which I mean would be an amazing, would, would, I think would be a, a significant salvage job. I mean, at this point, like I don't, it would, I would have to be feeling really optimistic to pick this team to finish five hundred at this point. That seems that seems a little ambitious considering what we've seen and considering what we know about Anthony Davis. Speaking of Anthony Davis, it does not seem like we are going to be getting that update uh, before the end of this podcast. So um, hopefully, uh, we get that information soon, and it doesn't completely. Uh, blow all of our analysis to smithereens, but um, if it does, we'll come back and we'll do another one of these and we'll break it down then. Uh, but Jovan, thank you so much for your insights and for, for taking the time out of uh, the beginning of your All-Star break as well. Um, you know, the Lakers not as well represented in this All-Star weekend as you might have thought uh, earlier in the year. Obviously, no Anthony Davis uh, was not selected. Nobody in the Skills Challenge Dunk Contest or Three Point Contest but you know what there is? There is LeBron James playing in an all-star game in his native Cleveland, Ohio. I mean, it's from Akron, but come on. Um, in, in front of you know his home fans, which is you know, for a 37-year-old player near the end of his career, um, kind of a, a bucket list sort of opportunity for him and uh, something that will be uh, worth monitoring throughout the weekend. Um, so we'll be doing that, and we'll come back next week. Uh, the team gets back on the floor next Wednesday. Uh, resume practices and then um, first game after the break is against the Clippers on on Friday so um, we'll keep you posted on all that going through I think Jovan has a couple of cool stories coming over the all-star break to keep you um, to, to whet your appetite on all things Lakers and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you after the all-star break thanks for listening to the Forum Club